I think my big thing, and then we really will do this podcast. Right, we're recording right. too. Oh, we well. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My the big thing. Editing. Yeah. My big thing. <laughs> boy, that would be like a nightmare. Is, uh, um, I just lost my train of thought. Welcome into the Harvest Friends. I'm Abigail Wilson, the editor-in-chief here, and I am joined once again by our wonderful head lead, all the things, Andrew Stroud. So glad to have you back um, with me today, Andrew. I was with my friend Tina last time, but I'm glad we're back together for a conversation today. But before we get started, we are here to hopefully give you the confidence and clarity that you need to be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. We hope to get into some good stuff today. So without further ado, Andrew, how's it going? It's going great. Um, Actually, before we dive in, Abby, I hope folks listen to that conversation between you and Tina, because that was an amazing story. It's a great episode. So if you haven't, folks, please check out episode 122, Abigail and Tina, talking about modern day miracles from a first person testimonial uh, point of view. And even though we were second person, we were one person removed from that whole situation, Abigail, it was, I think we called it um, remembering the things that God has done. That's the name of the episode. And it really was like, even for me, just a reminder of things that God has done and how, how amazing he is, because it's easy for us to to lose sight of that in the busyness of, of everyday life. Yeah, so true. It was really, really fun to do. Um, It's a little bit of a longer episode, um, but I think it's really worth it. And I think it's Mm -hmm. pretty fun to listen to. Um, You know, it's fun to have just a chat. And so really we just invited you into our, our, uh, our little back and forth. And I think it was a really good time. And Boy, is it worth it if you stick around for the the finale <laughs> slash miracle reveal. Uh, it's pretty awesome. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> yeah, we're doing that this year. Folks have probably picked up on it, but we're trying to alternate between these type of episodes that we're doing today, which is what we were doing last year, where we take a listener question, a main topic that has to do with faith and following Jesus, and a faith and culture uh, segment that we do. And then doing interview shows where you or I bring in someone from outside of the Into the Harvest ministry, or maybe adjacent, Into the Harvest adjacent, Yeah. Um, and, but very much like-hearted, uh, like-minded in terms of following Jesus and making disciples in the everyday places. And that's been a lot of fun so far. So hopefully we'll be able to keep that going. Yeah, we've joked that it's like the, the we bring our friends on and interview them. And I think it's going to continue <laughs> to be that way because it's either going to be our friends or people that we like really want to be friends with. And so it's kind of a, a good <laughs> friends or future friends, future friends, whatever you want to yeah. call it. So come along on the journey with us. But today, like Andrew said, we are back on our kind of normal routine. So we're going to start with our listener question. All right, I'm going to pull this up. Uh, this Andrew actually comes from my husband. Yes, oh indeed. <laughs> we better answer fact, this one. He yeah. did, in fact, do exactly what we asked you to do. He's such a great husband. He um, 
he left this comment on our YouTube channel. So if you have a question, you can do exactly the same thing as Brett. He could have asked me in person, but he did not. He asked it on YouTube. <laughs> in reality, though, Andrew, he and I have talked about this. I gave him my answer. It clearly wasn't good enough. <laughs> so oh, man. I'm giving it to you. All right. So he says, is it possible to labor in vain? If so, what are some indicators that you are laboring in vain and are, is there a way to avoid it? So uh, I, I'll try not to feel too much pressure here since you know, you've already given your answer to him directly. Yeah. But I think this is a great question because it's something that anyone who is, who, who is sincerely seeking to labor uh, to work in the kingdom um, and that is what the Bible describes it as, that, that as followers of Jesus and as people who are, who are serving him, serving others, making disciples, it is work. Um, and over and over, the, the scripture uses that word. Jesus used that word when he talked about uh, praying for workers, for laborers to go out into the harvest. Paul used that same terminology in his letters. So, if you're sincere and you are putting forth that effort, you want it to count. And I think that's maybe part of what Brett is touching on there is you're making these sacrifices, you're spending the time, you're investing in people, um, you're, you're doing real work in the kingdom. And so you do want it to count. So I've got several things that are just kind of flying through my head here. I'll throw a few things out and then maybe you can respond and we'll go okay. back and forth for, right. for a minute or two. Sure. So in Galatians, Paul writes the believers there, and he says that he fears that um, his labor might have been in vain. And then in another part of that letter, he says that he calls them his little children, and he says that he is, again, in the pains of childbirth or labor uh, until Christ is formed in them. So the first thought that comes to my mind that would be an area to, to consider and to, to be reflecting on in terms of, are we laboring towards a worthy end or is our labor in vain would have to do with that. Are we, are the interactions we're having with people, the, the believers, the younger believers that we're trying to invest in, is it moving them towards becoming more like Christ, Christ being formed in them as Paul described it there in Galatians. And if not, for sure, Paul seems to indicate that if that doesn't happen, then his labor is in vain. Uh, now, I think that there are, there are two levels of, of being in vain, um, and this would be level one, which is the end goal that, that Paul is striving for as he invests in others is that they would become more like Christ, and, and Christ would be more and more rooted in these young believers' lives. Um, and if that's not happening, then we're missing the mark and, and our labor is in vain. Whatever other good things are coming out of that labor, the ultimate purpose of Christ being formed in them, um, we're missing that. And so we're falling short and, and, it, and it's in vain. The second level that I'll just touch on, and then I want to get you in there to, to give your thoughts, is that even when that happens, because it does happen that you're, you're laboring and you're investing, and we don't know the end of the story there with the Galatians. Perhaps it happened with them. Maybe Christ wasn't formed in them the way that Paul was hoping. Um, his labor was not in vain in the sense that the Lord Jesus saw that effort 
and there would be a reward for it. And that's what um, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Uh, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So you as a laborer, if you're seeking to form Christ and help others come to know him and become like him, even if it doesn't happen, um, ultimately that labor is not in vain because the Lord sees it and it will, um, it will be something that goes with us into the coming age. So I don't know, that, that's probably a lot. So let me just pause and let you jump in there and, and give your thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to stay tuned to see if we, if you did like in whatever it is that Brett is <laughs> looking for, because, you know, just behind the curtain of, you know, the Brett and Abigail um, dynamic, I am like the encourager, exhorter, mm-hmm. like, no, Brett, like, it doesn't matter if we see the fruit of any of this, you know, yeah. um, but I, I really love that Brett is always very, um, very much probably in this space of like, is, mm-hmm. are we, are we uh, laboring in vain, so to speak? But I, I liked his second part, which was, what do we do to not labor in vain? And I think you yeah. hit on that really well, which is if we're focusing on the gospel and Jesus crucified, then, and we're pointing to that, even if, I don't know, everyone, like we're in a Jeremiah situation where everyone is like, no, we're not right. doing it. Um, then we're still laboring not in vain, I guess. (laughs) So I I think it just, there's just a tendency for us to look to our fruit, right? Like what, what fruit do we have Mm -hmm. here? Um, after this amount of time, Mm -hmm. um, is it good fruit? Maybe we have some, but is it going to last, you know, or is it going to go bad? You know, I, so I think just, if you're in any kind of ministry, you're going to have those tendencies or the horrible verse about, Jesus saying, like, I never knew you, you know, like that verse, that's like the one that keeps us all up at night. So <laughs> I, um, I think, I think it's probably a good place to be in that Brett is, is asking these questions, but I, I do think your answer very much hit on the simple in quotes, mm-hmm. um, answer of as long as we're making sure our message and our, what we're teaching, um, to all those that we influence is the gospel then right okay yeah i think we want to model that first first off that we want to live lives that have jesus at the center and we want to become more like jesus ourselves um and then that needs to be our aim in the work that we're doing with others as as we're seeking to make disciples and in the word ministry a lot of times we'll use that word as sort of almost like a, a shorthand for um or maybe a, catch, a catch-all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're we're serving the Lord, mm-hmm. but I would say let's let's try to bring that in a little bit more because things we can call things ministry that could be a lot of a lot of um, sacrificial serving activities mm-hmm. um, could be lumped under the word ministry, um, and I do think that many of those things f- for all of us can be ultimately not wastes of time, but, but things that don't have eternal value. Um, and so you could say that, that we're laboring in vain in the sense that they're not going to last the impact of those things are not going to last. And I know it's probably been a little bit vague there. I don't, I don't enjoy this. this part. Okay. <laughs> so, give me so, an example. Uh, 
Oh man. So <laughs> my goodness, I think a lot of, um, I don't want to, I don't want to bash. I don't want this to come across as bashing on the Sunday oh, service, well. Okay. but I mean, I'm, I'm, you're asking you for are. an example. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the things that we sometimes do in terms of church activities and there are people behind the scenes making those, those church activities happen. I'm not saying that they're worthless by any stretch, but they're, they're not the ultimate end that we're hoping for, which is to help someone come to know Christ and become like Christ. Um, they could be very encouraging to people in a, in a temporal sense. Um, and so it's not that they have no value, but the ultimate value, I think, is to, to keep our eyes fixed on Christ and seek to become like him. And then in our work with others to point them to Jesus and to try to help them become like him. And I, I think what I read in Galatians there with Paul is that no matter what else he was doing with the Galatians, if ultimately they, if Christ was not formed in them, all of that effort, I'm sure much of it was, was really good stuff would have been in vain. And so, um, I don't know if that's specific enough, Abigail, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll just have to bring Brett on for like a therapy session um, you <laughs> oh, at no. some point. That can be one of the, <laughs> right. I, I think, I think the, that just draws me to a whole nother thing about like, well, if God has called you to do something, if he called you to do a Sunday service, right. then you right. should just do it. You know, even if like, no one shows up, that's just, yeah. you know, your, your sacrifice. So, all right. Mm-hmm listeners we're going to stop there but maybe as we've been talking you have a more specific question for Andrew <laughs> although maybe. I think I think it was pretty good or me yeah. I mean I don't, know. <laughs> right. I don't know anyway uh thank you um I will I'll get firsthand insight if we did a good job on this one so I'm a little nervous um but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep us all updated so we're gonna head on into our main topic today which actually I think really fits beautifully into our listener question. A lot of the things that were just rolling around in my mind um, very much fit in what we're talking about mm. today, um, just on on following a faithful leader and what that looks like. Um, so Andrew, why don't you just explain to everyone what we're going to be talking about? I think what we're going to call this episode are things to look for in a mentor. So the idea is that you're a younger believer and you've caught this vision for making disciples, but you yourself realize, hey, I need older believers to invest into my life. I want to learn from those who have traveled this path ahead of me. Uh, and that's the model that we see in scriptures, whether it's with uh, a Moses and Joshua or an Elijah and Elisha, or of course, par excellence, Jesus and the 12, <laughs> um, the apostle Paul and, and Timothy and Titus and others. Peter with John Mark. Um, the scriptures are just filled with this model of one generation passing on the faith to the next. And so you're in that younger generation chair and Grace. you're looking, <laughs> you're looking for certain qualities in an older mentor. So what are some of the things that we've looked for um, and people that we've learned under? And I, I think that's where I would start, Abby, is that yeah. The older I get, the more grateful I am and the more aware I am that the path that the Lord had has had us on is very unusual in the church. I think a lot of people who come up in the church um, have a a more traditional experience, which is 
more of a large group setting, very much built around a Sunday service, and perhaps many of our listeners, that that's been their reality. And we're trying to point them towards maybe, you know, a totally different model in some ways, um, which is in-depth relationships with older believers, um, and then also passing that on to younger believers. So anything else you would say just to set it up or you want to No, I'm excited to like put myself back in those shoes and like, remember the things I looked for. Spoiler, it's different (laughs) than what I probably look for today. So I'm excited Ah. to get into this. So we thought we would take Hebrews 13, seven as sort of a a launching point, which Mm -hmm. says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you and considering the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. I can remember um, one of, well, the, the man who had the greatest impact on me in terms of my adult discipleship uh, was Cecil Bean. Uh, and I shouldn't be speaking of him as if he's not still around. He still is someone that I look to and, and, incur- and, and am encouraged by. But in my early 20s, well, really all of my 20s, you know, Cecil and his wife, Jeannie, um, we spent seven years working closely with them and learning under them. And I can remember Cecil talking about this verse, Hebrews 13, seven. And I love the way that he described it, which is you want as a younger person, a younger believer, you want to look at someone who is where you hope to be, say in 30 years, in 20 years. Uh, and that's really what Hebrews 13 seems to be saying is, you know, consider the outcome of their way of life. So it has to be someone who's far enough along that you can, you can actually see an outcome of a way of life that, that they have chosen. And, and then you get as a younger believer to say, I would be so um, grateful if my life played out like that. If I, when I'm that age, I would love to see a similar outcome of my way of life. And that's the person whose faith you should imitate um, in Hebrews 13. So using that verse maybe as a starting point, Abigail, why don't we start with what you were looking for? And then maybe if we've got time, we can get into (laughs) what you're looking for today. Yeah, well, I think um, this verse is really perfect because it does um, point to, you know, what is the fruit of, of that person's life? Um, And also what is their teaching, which I think are two things that we should a hundred percent be all about. However, there can be some variations, you know, on that theme, so to speak. Um, So I will say that as a younger person, so I'm about to just really bear my gross sinful self to everyone. I looked for someone who gave me validation. So that means that I looked for people who were in leadership who did know um, a lot about Jesus. Um, and so that was good. I was looking for quality teaching. So that I'm going to give myself thumbs up for. However, I also very much wanted just the affirmation and validation from my leaders. I like to be the teacher's pet. So I wanted, man, I wanted to be like whoever it was I was following. And, and so I looked for people that would would give me affirmation. I am going to have to say though, that the Lord really put us with people <laughs> that were not like just the biggest on like being like, Abigail, you're awesome. Probably because I wasn't awesome, but also because I think I needed to experience um, looking for that from the Lord. 
So I think if you're looking for someone who's going to also just affirm you and like immediately be like, yes, you can be like me and we can all be cool together, then that's a real mm. red flag. Um, yeah. Instead, looking for the most humble person in the room who is not just over here like, I know everything, come over here and I'll tell you all about it. And then you also can know everything. So instead looking for that person who is just pointing to Jesus um, like crazy and admits that they don't know everything. Um, We ended up just being so lucky to have um, mentors who did just that. But I wouldn't necessarily Mm. say I think I was constantly like having my little moments like, oh, but that person's so cool over there, you know, like shiny. Um, but the Lord was kind to me and knew I wasn't very. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. so interesting because this is obviously God has a, a very direct role to play in this as well. And, and the old, again, the older I get, the more I realize I can see God's hand and God's grace in my life yeah. because it was in many cases, in spite of me, not because of choices I was making. Or... Oh, yes. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I do appreciate um, what you're saying there. But I do think it can get, and this is maybe the dark side of the kind of um, ex- growth experience, spiritual growth experiences that we're describing that, yeah. are, ve- that are very heavy in terms of a, uh, a mentor and mentee. Um, or a Paul Timothy type, if if the mentor, I think in particular, is is not healthy as a person, um, it can be very um, it can be a very un- <laughs> unhealthy. That's probably not even the right word. It it can be a very toxic and I yeah. would say even unspiritual um, experience that that takes place with with it's it can be very ripe for abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, if, because mentors can be looking for that too, they can be looking for validation, uh, younger people can be looking for that. So it really does need to be, um, rooted in Christ. And, and even then, of course, our humanness and, and, um, our insecurities are going to come, come into play from time to time. Well, we, wouldn't we want it to be in spite of us on both sides? So yes. as the mentor, if you're pointing to Jesus nonstop and yet still struggling like crazy in your own stuff, if you were just, you know, hopefully not, but let's just say worst case scenario, you get taken out. Mm-hmm. If you have if pointed to Jesus so hard, then whoever you were mentoring is hopefully going to still be looking to Jesus. They'll be like very, very sad about you, but right. they're, they're not going to, they're not going to be crushed. You know, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really key as you're listening to people, um, as you're asking questions, um, mm. what are, what are the answers you're getting back? Are you getting back? Like, here's my method. Here's something that I've come up with like this, or is it, let's dig into scripture. Let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Um, right. I, I do think going back to my experience with, with Cecil and Jeannie, that is something, I don't know that I could have articulated it at the time, but I, it was clear to me from early days with Cecil that he was committed to Jesus and he was giving his life to this work of sharing the faith and making disciples um, on a very personal relational level. 
Um, and I was drawn to that because I did see the value in it, both from my experience. And I, I've shared on this podcast before about how I came to faith. Um, and it was a person that reached out to me and got me reading the Bible. Um, and then the word of God really did the heavy lifting. So I had seen the value of having people in your life that were pointing you and pulling you in the right direction. <laughs> and I saw that with, with Cecil. I would also say that he was at that time, he was really the only person in, in terms of an older believer who was willing to spend that kind of time with me and to invest in, in my life as a 21 year old young man. Uh, I had many other godly men that I was around that I could look up to, but in, for different reasons, they were all in uh, places where um, I could, I could observe them and I could learn from them by observation but they didn't have the time or capacity or maybe willingness to actually sit down with me and invest in, in my life. And so I saw in Cecil someone who was uh, committed to Jesus and committed to this work. Um, and I knew that that went beyond me, that regardless of what this person got from, from our relationship, that wasn't going to change them in, in terms of their, their core uh, identity, their value, uh, what they understood that as the, the basis of their value in God's sight. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I would have articulated it, but I yeah. do think that it gave me um, a confidence that, that there was, that there was a health there that um, I guess freed me up to just be focused on learning and growing and not have the, the, the sort of unhealthy undertext of, of what was happening in that relationship. Yeah. I think you hit on, I, I think, so let me like say it back. This is kind of what I'm hearing is if he had been um, just so invested on, on how you turned out, let's say like, you know, Andrew, I got all my, all my chicks in this. And if you don't, right. you know, then I'm just going to be a disaster. Um, but that wasn't the case. He was willing to invest in you, but his true investment was in the kingdom and so he, it wasn't as much about right. you. So you didn't right. have this like feeling of like, man, I better turn out. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And I think that that's really important on both sides. I think we probably have people on both sides of this listening, those that are, you know, really stepping into mentoring roles and those that mm -hmm. are looking for mentors. And I think we all have something to learn here as far as um, where our focus is and where our heart needs to be in this. I think we were kind of talking about that toxic relationship that could come if we're relying too much on each other for the validation mm -hmm. in, in this relationship. So, um, yeah, I, I never quite thought about it either. I mean, I think probably because I always felt like Brett and I were like the slow we're like slowly going along, like chasing after the people who are mentoring us, <laughs> like maybe we'll still get to hang out, you know? <laughs> and I think that was really, to me, it was just like, I'm so grateful. They like, let us be in the room. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, this is something too. I don't want us to necessarily get, <laughs> I don't want us to necessarily focus on the negative things, the things not no. to look for, but sometimes those we're are talking about the positive too, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, because one tendency I, I've seen in my own experience is that, um, and this could be for both, um, 
you know, people who are discipling others. So that they're, they're looking to invest in the next generation and, or it could be, you're the younger person looking up to an older believer. Um, there's also just a baseline commitment to that relationship. Um, and I, I have, I have seen that sometimes there's a tendency to, to, well, I'm investing in you until the next more gifted, um, you know, more flashy person comes along and then, you know, maybe I won't have as much time for you because I, I need to invest in this other person uh, or perhaps vice versa. And I think you definitely see this on a larger scale when people go church shopping, you know, well, I'm committed to this church until, you know, the, the, the newer, flashier, more, more charismatic um, church, uh, church with a more charismatic leader opens up. And then I want to go to that. I want to learn under that person or that church. Um, and I, I do see in the scriptures that God brings people together and there's a commitment to partnering together through the ups and the downs. Um, I think there's a reason why the Bible describes these relationships as um, father, son, or, or familial. So Paul mm -hmm. considered uh, Timothy, his son in the faith. And there's a commitment there with, with a family relationship that um, you're committed to those that God has entrusted to you. And I always, I always sense that with Cecil was, is that there, there, that there was a security in our relationship that even if I did fail, even if I didn't um, live up to, you know, the level 10 um, disciple, um, that wasn't his goal. You know, his goal was, was, was I sincere? Was I devoted to Jesus? And was I being faithful? Um, and those were the things that he, he was going to challenge me on, um, not whether I was living up to a certain standard. And I think vi vice versa, you know, that Cecil, um, I've always admired him, not because he's the most gifted speaker or the most charismatic person, um, but he's probably the most committed older believer that I know. And he's, he's kind of held that title <laughs> for uh, going on 30 years now. So um, I think that's what I've admired about him is, is his sincere devotion to Jesus. Um, so. That's good. Okay. That, that was all very positive. That wasn't a negative at all. So <laughs> I, I think um, we may just leave you guys with that. I, as I, I think as what I want to send out, um, like the takeaway here is, is just as we're in relationship with people, it may not be as serious as a mentor mentee situation, but as you're looking at your relationships, I think what you just described there, Andrew, is really key. We're not um, looking for outputs. We are looking for relationship with Jesus and sincerity of heart and the that service aspect that we very much see in Jesus. So um, we want to really be looking for that and in those relationships that we have. And, and if we don't have them, then really start to cultivate that in our lives and see what we can do to change. Um, so I, I, I take a lot away from this conversation. This has been good. So um, we could go on and on, but we're not. So uh, we're going to move forward into our faith and culture. So Andrew, we're going to talk about the most talked about thing on the stupid internet. Um, 
<laughs> this is such a hard segue because it's like I feel like we've been talking about really important Good stuff. stuff. And now, <laughs> well, that's why I was mean, like, this is embarrassing. We're embarrassed that we're going to do this, um, or I am. Maybe we are. Side. No, I am too. Okay. Okay. Um, so I just want to segue into it by saying uh, my parents were visiting this last week and my dad was all about this and I had to like look it up and be like, what are we talking about? I don't want to know about this, but here we are. We're going to discuss the debacle that happened at the Oscars with Will Smith and yeah. what's his name? What's his name? Yeah. Uh, Chris Rock. I was going to say Chris okay. Rock. Yeah. Is that right? That's it's right. Not, what did no. you say? I say Chris Rock. Is that not right? Yes, it is. It is right. Okay, everyone is definitely invested in what we were about to say because clearly we know. (laughs) Buckle up, everybody. We're experts. Yeah, I almost called him Kid Rock, which I think is definitely not. It was definitely Chris Chris Rock. It's Chris Rock. Okay. Um, Yeah. So now that you definitely know that we know what we're talking about, let's discuss. So really, really though, let's focus in on what we're here to talk about, which is when faith and culture. 100% collide and what does that look like what is the faith conversation we can have from this bit of pop culture Mm -hmm. in quotes I would Mm -hmm. call it culture of any kind all right so I'm gonna let you go first (laughs) okay so yeah this is about the only thing I really I I caught this at a surface level um Mm -hmm. and then I caught some of the memes which have been hilarious (laughs) um but Yeah, but I think in terms of what would be meaningful from my point of view coming out of of discussing this, I think there are are two things that just jump to mind. And so one, and I had actually shared this article on uh, Facebook, it was written by Samuel James, who I would definitely recommend people give a follow to. He's on Substack. Um, He writes a a newsletter called Insights, and it's from a faith base, but he had a great short piece on the issue. And the direction that he took was, you know, afterwards when Will Smith ended up getting um, an Oscar and he gave a speech, he talked about how he, he was being called on to defend his family. And so, uh, you know, Samuel's piece was all about, well, what, what does family mean and what does defend mean? Because it's uh, very, the, the Smiths have been very open about having an open marriage, um, Will and his wife, Jada. Um, and so it's like, well, what is family? So first of all, what are we talking about when we say we're defend, you're being called on to defend your family? You're, you're being called on to defend your wife from a joke. But on the other hand, you've got this open, open relationship in terms of sexual partners which apparently isn't something that you feel called on to defend. Um, and then what does it mean to defend? You know, like is slapping a comedian on the stage defending this family? You know, so I thought that was like really good. I do think that that is where faith and culture are really meeting. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, family is worth defending, but we need to be rooted in what the Bible is describing as family and and having the commitment to living within those boundaries and so much of of our lives i think as people certainly as modern people is pushing against boundaries you know wanting to go beyond um the order that god has created and the order that god has revealed in scripture um you know whether it's gender expression whether it's sexuality whether it's our commitment to family and when we when we depart from 
what God has ordered in creation and what God has revealed in scripture, then it's really hard to know what's worth defending and, and what does it mean to defend it? And so that's, that's probably uh, my big takeaway from this is um, the commentary that it gives us on the, the confusion that we mm -hmm. have yes. in modern morality and, and the second piece really is just an attachment to that, that so much of the conversation has not even touched on that. So that's, that's the second piece is if you, if you look at what the culture is talking about with this particular episode, it, it's sort of missing the whole underlying piece of this is a very um, troubled family. It really is a troubled family. And I, yeah. I, I suspect that maybe what we saw at the Oscars was just an outbreaking of that facade um, but, uh, but yeah, I think Samuel, we'll, we'll link it to the, in the notes here. I think people should check it out. It's a real short read, but Abby, I know we didn't talk about this at all. <laughs> I don't think well, maybe you and your dad have been talking about it, but I've got, I've got one, but yes. so, um, I, and I think it really flows from what you're saying as well, but, um, I, I use this as an exercise because lately um, I've been talking to um, a friend of mine about um, how can we just insert the gospel like as much as possible into everyday conversation. So it's almost like a game. Example mm. was I went and saw um, Spider-Man No Way Home and she asked me, okay, Abigail, find the gospel in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I nailed it, by the way. <laughs> it was so good. I won't do it here because I would spoil the movie, but it was, okay. It's a really fun game, and I think you should do it. Um, if you're listening, think of something and then try to connect the gospel. So that's actually what I'm going to do here um, nice. is really what we see is two people, actually a whole lot of people at the Oscars, and then everyone watching really in brokenness um, on varying mm -hmm. levels. And they are all trying to get out of their brokenness by, in well, in this case, let's say some diluted sense of defending his family. Mm -hmm. We have Jada dealing with whatever she deals with on a daily basis, which is probably yeah. very rough. We have Chris Rock trying to hold on to his tour that he really wants to be successful. And it's really not like we, we see people clinging to the things that they want to fix their brokenness. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. not working for anybody. And then all the people watching are just missing the point, like you said, just missing it, trying right. to find the answer of how we can fix brokenness. And the only real solution is Jesus for all of these people. You know, Chris Rock wanting to be successful. It's possible with the whole scam just to get more publicity. Who's to say? But he is a guy who puts his faith and trust in his comedic act and his success mm -hmm. and his career. Um, same with Will Smith, same with Jada, um, you know, even if it's their family, even if they really are committed to family, that mm -hmm. is even missing the mark. So there can even be good things mixed in, but it's not true gospel. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm just going to say we need Jesus. And um, it's a good exercise to just do with all the things that you hear on the news, just find the gospel in it and tell somebody yeah. about it. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it's a great reminder that, you know, these are, <laughs> these are people that, um, you know, from the world standpoint, they're at the pinnacle, you know, the pinnacle right. of success, the pinnacle of, of financial affluence, 
uh, the pinnacle of popularity. I mean, they're at the award ceremony. He won an award a few minutes after this whole altercation. Know, so crazy. And yet, yeah, you're right. You see the brokenness that, that, you know, if you got it all, so to speak, it would not fix the underlying root problem that sin brings into our lives and into our world, which is, which is, you're right. That's the gospel. The gospel is God sending his son, Jesus, to repair and restore lives and a world um, that are, are broken. And, and he's the only one that is going to provide that ultimate healing and that ultimate um, renewal that all of us long for, whether we, whether we are conscious of it at, at, at a given moment or whether we're willing to admit it, that things aren't as, they, as we would like them to be. Um, and maybe it just highlights that even though we would say, well, this event, this, this Oscar event was so shallow. It's so, you know, no one watches it because, but, but in that moment, you see the importance of what, what Jesus has done, um, and what he's called us to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. What we really see is people without a true North, without real something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes me very sad. So, um, so I did, I, I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy it at all, but, um, you know, this is the world we're in. So, um, my last thing thing is join me in my weird game of finding the gospel Mm -hmm. and everything. And, um, I, I can't wait to hear what you guys come up with, whatever movie you just watched. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Andrew, it's been fun. We will see you guys in a few weeks. We'll have something cool with you for you, we promise. Um, but until then, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Ask us some questions. We can't wait.